I'm Johnny Ambrose. Uh, I'm an artist, um, predominantly sculptures, and um, I've been creating those for oh, since '94. But also had a, uh, a career in the video games industry in the middle years, shall we say? Right, I'm going to click record because it's a casual chat anyway, so we don't need to... I've listened to quite a few, yeah, so... I don't need to sit and tell you what's what. Um, we've got... I really love the informal kind of format to it. It just works so naturally. Yeah, and it, it means that I don't have to do any research because <laughs> I'm quite lazy. I've got a lot of stuff to do. So I can go, oh, just tell me who you are. Let's, let's go. So... Um, Normally it's someone that I've met before or I've mm -hmm. chatted to or I've seen their stuff, so I've got a bit of a... It's not like I'm walking into a completely cold situation where I've never met the person, I don't know who they are. I'm, I'm not big enough to be invited to do that yet. Um, <laughs> so normally I've got a, a little bit of understanding of who I'm talking to. Um, and then this is a nice opportunity to kind of just go a little bit deeper than, oh, well, we've met at car shows before. I know what you do. Like, it's, it's quite a nice, cheeky little way for me to meet interesting people and have... People aren't going to sit down and chat with a random stranger for an hour, but you put a microphone in there, oh, they love it, it's great. Um, Time just evaporates. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the format really works for what I'm trying to do alongside this, which is to make it a little bit more casual, just to have proper conversations, if nothing else. Um, so that being said, we might as well crack on. So the only question, as everyone knows, is who are you and what do you do? Right, um, I'm Johnny Ambrose. Uh, I'm an artist, um, predominantly sculptures, and... Um, um, I've been creating those for oh, since '94, but also had a, uh, a career in the video games industry in the middle years, shall we say? That sounds like I'm planning a book, isn't it? I'm not. I'm not. Um, and um, and also um, coming up, as uh, as you know, uh, I've got uh, an exhibition that I've kind of co-organised uh, for Chelsea Walsh. Uh, yeah, Chelsea Walsh, classic nostalgia. So. Uh, what date's that on again? We're gonna... July 22nd to 23rd. So this will come out on... I'm just double-checking. We've, we've almost shoehorned this in. <laughs> this will come out on the 19th... Uh, on the 18th, so just in yeah. time to be ahead of that and for people to hear it and go, oh, that sounds like fun. I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah. Because um, the next one comes out on the 4th. So I may actually squeeze this in ahead bring it out on the 4th so that you've got a week and a bit to prepare. Magic. Um, Magic. And Edward Lovett can move back a week or two. Yeah. It's all right. I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> he said that they churn theirs out every week, so he's probably already forgotten that ours happened. Oh. It was about four or five weeks ago. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so our exhibition, Chelsea Walsh, 21st, 22nd? 22nd, 23rd. 22nd, 23rd. That's how so, quickly I forget information. <laughs> yeah. So it's that classic nostalgia, um, which is uh, Chelsea Walsh's um, main blue ribboned event, um, obviously at the, uh, the historic hill climb venue, um, which is, as you know, you know, fantastically beautiful setting. Yep. Um, and when I've been there in the past, you know, you're just on the bank and you see the beautiful vista into the distance and 
and uh, yeah, it's just a magic, magic place. Oh, it's amazing. I'd never been until last year, and Haggerty do a hill climb there every yes. year, and I got a message saying, no, do you want to come along? I was like, yeah, sure, I've never been to a, like a traditional hill climb before. I've done like Festival of Speed, which is not yeah. quite the same, and it's beautiful. We were like, oh, they do weddings here and everything. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I've, I've been up the hill both years now, which is a lot of fun. Brilliant. And yeah. the first year, you learn that there's a great on the last corner and if you clip it just right it kind of pulls you around so this year I was like I'm gonna remember that you clip the grate and it just pulls you around the first time I did it I had Grace in the passenger seat and I clipped the grate and the back end went a little bit so I corrected it but obviously if she wasn't expecting any of this she's like oh we're gonna hit the wall we're gonna hit the wall it's, oh it's brilliant um, yes but a fantastic it's venue so narrow isn't it yeah oh as yeah well. and you see people doing it in like single seaters where you're properly sat on the floor yeah and you think so fast it's insane I think the record that there's like 45 seconds or something yeah and I was doing one minute 40 yeah it's like someone's going up there a minute quicker than I can it's yeah it's absolutely it's incredibly steep and like I said really narrow yeah you know compared to a track which you've got all the room in the world you can yeah, choose yeah. your line it's very hard to choose a line because you you've know the, the there's a bank and there a or, and that's it. yeah <laughs> so uh, but yeah fantastic I can imagine they might hold uh, weddings there in the in the big black barn which is where we're actually situated for the uh, exhibition oh, so that'll be perfect um, we've got 13 artists, um, all UK-based, great variety of uh, mediums, styles, uh, subject matter. and uh, um, A personal favourite of mine, aside from yourself, obviously, um, Jake Yorath's there. <laughs> yes. He's a, I really oh, have a yeah, lot of great admiration work. for his work. And I've tried to kind of take some of that style in a couple of bits I've done, and it's incredibly hard to match. Like, yeah. a lot of the, say, like, liveries bleeding out into the page and how it looks like he's just got a almost like a pattern with a car kind of poking through it it's so hard to make that work and make it look as good as he does it's like the skill in it I know a lot of people criticise digital art it's not, it's not real art because you can just change it after you and it's like it's a different kind of yeah. technique it's um, it's it's a tool it's a great tool and I think people who take that view don't appreciate that it is a tool to allow you to create yeah in the same way it's just of the of the age that we're living in but i think also it takes on so many different um areas you know it can be just uh, just but from 2d to obviously i work with digital into 3d yeah but um you know digital art gets a lot of bad press um particularly recent times because of AI and people worrying yeah, about that. Yeah. But having worked in video games and seen the work that the concept guys, concept team, create these fantastic visuals to get across the concepts and the, the so talented. Yeah. And, and like we mentioned, Jake there, um, and other graphic artists, that uh, some of which we've got, but out there doing motorsport art as well um so talented and um such variety as well um so yeah and and like i kind of hinted at you know it's like i've kind of tried to coordinate it so that we have got um 
lots of different styles that people may not have seen before yeah. as well um, rather than just the more traditional end of the spectrum um, so so hopefully and also we have we've got artists which are um, kind of showing for the first time as well so um, because I'm a big believer in just getting art seen yeah it's very easy to <laughs> to try and get your work out there in, in digitally on Instagram and socials but uh, also at events where public are seeing it for the first time yeah and there's, there's something about seeing something in, in reality and being around yeah. something that's not easy to capture on social media or on a website or anything like that it's it's a real different way to appreciate artwork like take one of your hex wheels sculptures which we conveniently have on the desk here it's a beautiful thing to hold and to look at and to feel and to see it in 3d space yeah. it's much more difficult to get that impression online yeah. as well as someone can photograph it or you can video it and things like that just tangibly being with something makes such a huge difference and it's great that these kind of opportunities exist for people to to go oh, I, I do art would you like to come and see it it's here you can physically come and have a look oh by the way we're at a hill climb and there's racing happening and yeah it's a whole thing rather than just going here's my instagram post what do you think um so we've effectively got our little advert out of the way now <laughs> um let's go into a bit more of yourself okay rather right, than sure what's happening in a couple of weeks let's go more about johnny ambrose like, okay so you said you started doing sculptures in 94 yeah t- I, I i say that date because that's when i graduated right okay in fine art I've, from paper for, to reality I've, i'm putting my inverted comma fingers up for the people uh just listening hand hand gestures don't really work they're no, not designed for radio to. are they <laughs> um so um yeah but that's when i graduated um and um so and and from and that led to various shows uh quite quickly and uh, and then also um progressed to wanting to get into video games as well so kind of went back to uh uni um did an ma um very quick ma and uh, like an afternoon <laughs> no not quite it was a it was, give them anyone these it days. was a full-on year it was like september to september right no break and um and that was that was that was good that was fun that was down in bournemouth so uh oh it's a nice place to do a degree then because you outside of the uni it's quite a nice place to be yeah yeah so the only time i got to see the beach was kind of riding in to to uni from where i lived in bosco which right. is kind of like people who don't know it it's like a a great arcing bit of coastline about a mile long so you kind of see where you're going yeah. in a beautiful view in the distance so that kind of woke up senses after a late night uh, but that. but anyway and then um yeah and then went into video games and and uh, until i got out of video games and uh, and i've been kind of creating art full-time now for well uh, since 2016 so oh fair play i can't do the maths well, it's, it's a few years a few years it's yeah what, seven years yeah there or thereabouts yeah that's that's an interesting arc to go from fine art to video games back to art again yeah what was the reason for the leaving of video games was the landscape changing in different ways like what kind of pushed that decision for you <sighs> 
Because we're talking like not far off 20 years if it was around. Yeah, nigh on 20 years. Uh, started at Rare in 98, tail yeah. end of 98. So, yeah, almost 20 years. Um, and uh, yeah, video games is great. Um, but also, it's hard. It's really long, tough hours. Yeah. A lot of the time for little reward. Certainly no overtime. Yeah. The business models don't kind of factor in that. But most places will... Um, some places will dangle the character of a big bonus if the project does well. Right. So, and the days are gone where um, a kind of small to medium company or team, because teams are huge now, yeah. can make a successful title. There's the big, big players which gross millions. And well, Grand Theft Auto is a billion yeah, dollar yeah. earning. FIFA's, yeah. Call of Duty's of the world. Um, and, then, and then there's everyone else. So the long hours take their toll. Yeah. Um, it's great when you're young, but um, yeah, it, you kind of get to the point where you think, I want a home life as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not knocking it. I've had some great experiences, great worked on some great projects, worked with some fantastic people, very talented people as well. And um, and those were the highs, but also a lot of the games that we did always came out at Christmas time. Right. Or for the um, American Thanksgiving period, yeah. Black Friday time. So um, we were always working through the summer. You so, missed out on summer. Yeah, and it's all those little things where... It just adds up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the opportunity came. Um, I say the opportunity came to leave. Uh, basically, it was, it was who wants to uh, take redundancy at this <laughs> juncture because Project at that time X uh, hadn't quite worked out. So I, uh, I was ready to leave and I wanted pay. to get back to making, like you mentioned earlier, tangible, uh, sorry, tactile. Yeah, and tactile 3D things rather than just seeing it on a screen. Yeah. So that was my main vo- motivation for that. So talk me through making these tactile things. So I've got one of these hex cards at home. I've got the Renault 5 one, obviously. Um, how did this project come about? I know so, we're, we're jumping ahead in history quite, yeah, quite yeah, abruptly there. Quite a lot. We'll well, actually, circle back. <laughs> Having said... Yeah, this is completely... This would be lots of contradictions through this uh, audio, I'm sure. <laughs> so having just said I was itching to get out of video games, this was my link to getting back to what I used to do in video games. Oh, and using. Modeling. Well, yeah, because I use... Um, so I... I, I sketch designs out and then I'll take them into 3D to visualise them or work things out. So a lot of the time I use CAD. Yeah. And um, which is great, allows you to do fantastic things and those far, uh, and what you create digitally in 3D CAD can then be, um, some parts can then be sent to digital manufacturing outlets and uh, processes but also i work with my old video game software as well right um called maya um and um which is all under it's yet another autodesk product um but when in video games i use predominantly 3d max or maya depending on 
companies and projects and things like that. But Maya is great for 3D modeling um, and low poly modeling. So because I go back to the tail end of the infancy of video games um, or low poly modeling um, elements of video games... I so missed for the layperson, let's go through what a low point yeah, is. Because so, I'm relatively so, limited in my knowledge. And yeah, so na- video games nowadays, um, the processing capacity of the Xbox 26 and the PlayStation 39... Yeah. I know, um, you know, I know they don't exist. But anyway, um, they've got such processing power that they can display on screen at 60 frames per second such detail and so many graphics and effects and um and the imagery but all that imagery is essentially made up of for the processing unit to work it out lots of triangles essentially yeah. all the 3d meshes are made up of triangles um some systems do other things but predominantly it's 3d uh 3d triangulation forms which are polygons um, so low polygon, the processing power of, say, the original PlayStation. So we're talking PlayStation Tomb Raider 2. 1 with the triangular yeah. everything. We're talking Colin McRae rally yeah. days, um, things like that, GoldenEye, N64, things like that. Yeah. The processing capacity was quite limited. Well, the N64 being... is called the 64 because it was 64 kilobytes yeah. of memory, wasn't it? It's, yeah. That's the numbers we're talking We've got 64 kilobytes of memory versus the now, I think my Xbox One, which isn't even the latest one, has one terabyte of storage. Like, yeah, the amount of difference between... It's night the... and day. It's night and day. And I love the N64. I just love the, love the fact that you place a cartridge into the yeah into it and it's it's again, going it's tactile isn't it's, it you, again yeah it's a tactile thing and you you press buttons yeah. it rather than a touch screen <laughs> show my age now. but anyway um yeah so low, so the n64 could only process and from the code team you'd get a what called a polygon budget um so that say if you were designing a car or a character they might say okay well your budget for that particular car is 250 polygons 250 triangles so you think oh great that's loads and then you work out yeah okay a wheel is you know you might get away with depending on how close up it is to the screen eight nine polygon eight triangles or iterations around and you multiply all that up and that's oh crikey how many i've got less for the body <laughs> so so there was a i think anyway a real art in transferring um, say the curvature of a car or an object or the human figure um, a curved line into as few straight lines yeah. of the triangle as possible and yet from a certain distance your eye would read that as a curve still rather than a faceted um, straight lined edge yeah so that's what I kind of wanted to get back to in doing these smaller items which are kind of palm sized yeah nice to hold um and they catch the light because they're all faceted um but also it was because a lot of the larger works take weeks to multiple months yeah and um this i can create 
one of these on screen, um, say, a day, day and a half, two days, sometimes, depending on the complexity of, say, if it's got an interior. So it's a much quicker process. So, yeah. um, so, so this is why you've gone with Lamborghini Countach, Renault 5. The things that were angular anyway. So you go, oh, yeah, it's made up like eight triangles. Work <laughs> quite well anyway. Um, but also it's about picking out um, those key lines. We bit curves on the other sculptures but yeah with these just picking out those key lines and working out where you do want that kind of creased edge and and things like that but also um it was a way having listened to some of the other artists that you've interviewed it's interesting it's always interesting hearing how they uh come about things or their creative process and for me this was a way of doing things um to kind of keep me sane as well during uh, lockdown i mean fortunately yeah. i'm here in the workshop and i can shut myself away but also at the same time it was um allowed me to do things in a different way in different process and keep things fresh yeah so well it keeps your brain kind of coming up with new stuff doesn't it rather than it becoming almost monotonous and oh I've got to do another one of these things yes. as much as it is creative it's it's very easy to slip into doing the same thing over and over again and it becoming yeah. just like tedium um, which is one of the reasons why I try and do a different design each month and I try and vary the style on them because it, it's not like oh here is another top down piece of artwork I've got myself yeah. pigeonholed for doing top down and stuff like that it's, it's very easy to fall into the this feels like work and it shouldn't mode because then that kind of kills a lot of creativity and yeah. if you're anything like me you run on the kind of the dopamine that comes from creating something new and going Absolutely. oh that looks wicked I love that and yeah. you get that like rush so you want to do it again it is it is that pure dopamine hit and yeah. and, and just and being able to vary things and, and p- push yourself as well yeah. I imagine you find this as well but it's like and uh, trying something new trying a slightly new technique or, or using a new material yeah um, or a new process it can be anything but it's just that way of progression um, I think as humans we kind of have part of our brains need that kind of element of learning new things to kind of just push um yeah, I'm not agree. talking going back to school because no. you know the thought of writing essays just oh <laughs> have nightmares. But but you know all through life we kind of learn. So it's just like by just trying to learn a new thing. Yeah, not necessarily a new skill, but just just knowledge just helps again. Just the. The yeah, brain it keeps processes the, fresh. Keeps the grey matter elastic as well, doesn't yeah. it? It stops it from just on oh, turning screws all day. That's yeah. That's the easiest way to kind of kill off any brain matter and nerve connections. <laughs> like just it's, it takes me four neurons to do this task. Therefore, I only will ever need these four. Ne- so, being in a position to try new things and experiment with new styles and oh, I wonder how this will work. I think it's a really good way to. A, you get a lot of enjoyment out of what you do because that process in itself is good for you. Like trying something, failing a few times, and then finally cracking it is so much more rewarding than going, oh, I know how to do it, so I'll just do it. Yeah. Like that wears off really quickly. And then that's why you find people like teaching other people because then, in part, you're getting to experience that person learning something new. Mm. And it's almost kind of like the same as you learning it all over again because you go, I've taught them and now they know how to do it. Aren't I great? And I feel really good about myself. It's the same kind of feeling and the same kind of chemical release that you get. And I completely agree. Like, with one of my designs, I, I created a 3D mesh 
around a car and then overlaid um, an artwork onto it. But I had to learn that you can't just click a button and it lays it exactly how you want it. You then have to tweak it so that yeah. when it's flat, it looks weird. But as soon as you lay it over this 3D mesh, it actually all lines up with the contours and yeah. the lines follow each other properly. And that probably took me about four days just to figure out how mm. to do that properly. And I thought, oh, now I have to do that. I tried it on a different design. It worked completely differently. And I was like, well, this is not in any way the same as it was before. And I've got to reel in a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's that, it, again, it's that you're using a digital digital processes to create something new yeah but it's not like you're hitting a button no you know i know um some of the elements with ai now you know you obviously you're putting in prompts and it will do something for me i don't see that as kind of driving uh, or inspiring your own mind yeah. In the same way, you know, there needs to be that element. You actually just mentioned it there of making mistakes. We only learn from making those mistakes. Exactly. So if things are too easy for us, too convenient, I think that it's it's not worth. Uh, it's not. It's not as, rewarding, is it? As rewarding, it's not. Um, it's kind of like you need to go through and and go through a slight back and forth and and make those mistakes um and that is part of the process and and dare i say kind of makes it more enjoyable because you are yeah. realizing and and you're just stirring all those neurons in your brain well they, they say a lot of like overcoming difficulty makes it so much more rewarding if it's easy yeah. then it's not really worth doing for the same right reason like if it's easy to save someone's life yes go and do that make it as easy as possible but if you're trying to create something that the only real intrinsic value is what other people think of it if it's easy to do, it's not as rewarding to create, even if other people like it, because you kind of, if anything, you feel like a bit of a fraud, because you go, I don't really have to do anything, and here's the thing. Like, whereas that process of, I've had an idea, I know what I kind of want it to look like, but I don't know the two bits other than the start and the end, and going through the ups and the downs and having the frustrating times of it not working, and then mm. finally when you crack the missing element, it just makes a whole process so much more fulfilling and rewarding and in reality that's the reason that you do stuff it's not the end product most of the time it's the the ups and the downs and how much you gain from that in terms of fulfillment yeah. and it's something that i've learned quite a lot in my in my working life more than anything if i'm doing something that makes me feel fulfilled I will go through thick and thin to do something that makes me fulfilled. So I used to work in the secure hospitals. Yeah. And that was a, a tremendous amount of fulfillment because you're making a difference and you're helping and you, you're fighting some tough battles, but it's fulfilling. And then I left that and worked in sales. And even though the money was potentially massive, getting those wins wasn't as fulfilling as the other stuff mm. because it, it kind of felt well, well I'm just playing the game that guy's got some money to spend and I've got something to sell him we're both mutually benefiting from this it's not hard work it's just kind of I know you want this and I want to give it to you but <laughs> we just need to find the right one so we're both happy I, I really struggled in that environment because I have no time for the the games that you have to play for it. I'm like, I know what this situation is. You know what this situation is. Let's just sort it out because I can't be asked to run around this. 
probably because in my previous job, if you faffed around, something terrible could happen. Yeah. And it gives you a real sense of there's no time for the games. We have to sort stuff out. And so I've gone back to, right, what do I find fulfilment out of? What do I enjoy? What makes me happy? And follow that rather than, oh, what's the biggest mortgage I can get in the nicest house? Because I can be sat in a really nice house and be miserable because I hate the job I'm doing. Or I can be sat in a smaller house and be really happy because I enjoy how my life is. Yeah. And I think chasing that's been a huge kind of positive for both my mental well-being, my physical well-being and everything. It's, I don't earn lots of money, but... I enjoy what I do and I have a much happier lifestyle because of it and even the stuff I do outside of Tacoma that's fallen into that placement as well because I followed that rather than yeah. oh, I've got to pay the bills what's the best paying job I can get it's it's a bit of a perspective shift really helps yeah I think um, you know sometimes you perhaps need to do that to pay the bills um, but uh, yes if, if I if <laughs> I it's it's funny, you know. If I wanted to make a lot more money, I'd I'd perhaps be still in video games. Yeah. But I'm doing this because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, make that conscious decision to to do things um, in in a similar way. I've I've realised in recent years um, that just there's just too much going on, too much noise mm. in. Um, in life things um, so I've tried to reduce that and and have a simpler yeah kind of existence in a way um, but just a, a fewer stresses yeah and I'm so, guessing you found that um, like much more beneficial for your happiness levels yeah in a way um, but uh, but also you know we as humans we're all programmed to um we've all been taught through the power of tv advertising over the year that we we need this new item we need this and that and you you know i'm as bad as anyone and and consumed far too many things we are sat in a room full of model cars and lego kits yeah um, which is not the same thing that we're talking about a couple of Lego kits there and far too many old Tamiya kits to (laughs) count Uh, yes um, that is true Uh, and yeah that's kind of mini museum element um, yeah yeah because I like collecting things they're all Formula 1 cars though so they are in theme it's not like random (laughs) assortments of stuff like a kleptomaniac would have Mm, yeah yeah it's uh, we're probably not far off but uh, (laughs) anyway but yes and uh, so I've tried to kind of just, I don't know, be a bit more eff- efficient in not worrying about uh, the uh, the kind of more stressful em- elements of life. Yeah, I, I can, I can but, get behind that idea. Um, I think my other half will probably kind of slap me because she's like, yeah, because I do it all. You just bumble around, drawing your T-shirts and going to car events. Yeah. And she's like... I know where the bills are paid from and I know how much they're supposed to be and what day they get paid on. And I'm like, I give you the money and then it goes to where it's supposed to go. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we're currently in the process of buying a house and we had to sit and go through solicitor terms and conditions and stuff like that. This morning she went, I've read them all. Do you want to read them? I was like, is there anything that I should be concerned about? She's like, no. I was like, then sign away. Let's go. <laughs> I, could have, I could have been signing up to like, she gets 100% of the house. Like, yeah, I trust you. Off we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I live 
a relatively stress-free life in that regard. And I imagine hers is probably a bit more stressful because she has me in the middle of it all. Whereas if we probably shared those stresses a little bit more evenly. I think the difference is in our personalities because... So going through this whole process, we'd speak with like a mortgage broker and sisters, this, this, and the other. And we'll sit down and have a meeting with them. And I'll understand the kind of the concept of what they're talking about. And she will write down all the specific numbers. So when it comes to the end of it, she's like, okay, so we do this, 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 and this. But then the next day she'll go, what was that again? And I'll tell her what the whole process is because that's what my brain was paying attention to. And if she hasn't got that piece of paper, she's forgotten because she's she needs the the information in that format. So it's really interesting how the difference in our personalities and how our brains function. So she's very academic, and I'm very much floaty to a certain extent. Like, and the way that those two personalities meet means that we both get on quite well, and we function as a as adult, like yeah. as a couple and as adults, and we as live, a unit. As a yeah, team, we work well way. as a unit. Yeah. But if you kind of separated those two, we'd both have real big gaps that we hated dealing with. So I hate dealing with forms and paperwork and having yeah. to read lots of information. I, I'm much more like, tell me the gist, and I'll plug in the information to that concept when I need it, rather than I can regurgitate loads of stuff. And she can remember like specific names of studies she's read, and because she's a psychologist, so she, her job yeah. revolves around knowing a lot of information, where it fits into models and stuff like that. But if you took us out of this unit, she'd really struggle on conceptual stuff and I'd really struggle on detail stuff and we'd end up both way more stressed than if we just had the other person there going, right, this is what we're going to do and then you can just remember all the details that fit in where I can't remember. Um, And it's the same with kind of life balance in that if we've got big decisions to make, she'll really know the detail but I'll take on knowledge of the whole situation so that when she gets stressed, I can go, that detail that you've got, that fits here. Put that there and it takes the stress out and it, it works really well for both of us to be less stressed about big life changes. Yeah, absolutely. Not that they're not stressful, but yeah, it's minimising as much as possible. Yeah, it's kind of identifying your strengths and also your... Um, I'm not going to say weaknesses. It's kind of like... kind of negative kind of vibe that it's kind of like you know we all have things which we're less good at or or our brain doesn't work in a particular way like it's it's funny you know it's like you said that because um my wife's got an excellent memory for detail so i'm quite a detailed person but my but my memory fails me constantly. Yeah, yeah. I have to write things down. I have to write things down in my diary. My phone notes. As soon as I have that thought, or oh, I must call person X or do thing, because yeah. it just goes out of my brain. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know. I think that's just one of my uh, <laughs> uh, not a weakness, but you know, a less uh, kind of able part of yeah, how I do things. You know, uh, it's just how our brain works. And I think if you, you know, it's, uh, when you're younger, you kind of this that pressure to be, I don't know, model citizen or a perfect operating human. Yeah. But I think it's far more important to identify the things which you you're not as good at doing and accept that but try to improve that but just go you know what you know i'm not as good at that so but i'm better at this so i think it it, 
it's worth doing those evaluations to find out what crutches you need to make that easier for yourself. Like, I'm not very good at remembering dates or names or where I'm supposed to be at any given moment. So I rely quite heavily on having a calendar and having a note system in my phone so I can go, oh, on that date I'm supposed to be here because I will double book myself endlessly otherwise. And now that I'm getting a little bit more busy, that happens more frequently if I don't keep a diary. And it's not that I'm inherently bad at managing time. It's just that I'm, that is way more efficient than if I try and remember it. And then if I'm putting all my energy into trying to remember it, I'll sacrifice something else for that. So it's better that I go, I'm really bad at remembering dates. I'll just use a diary because then I can focus on the stuff that I'm much more naturally better at. And let's face it, life is noisy these days and there's all these distractions, you know, even without thinking about social media distractions. But Well, especially if you're in an industry that has lots of things going on as well. We're both in the car world, so there's an event on every weekend. No matter what, you could go to a car event any weekend in the year. Yeah. So you've got that amount of noise just on its own, never mind potentially having to work with different people and different places within the automotive world coming together and going, oh, you fit in here, can you come in? Just that one thing alone isn't quite a noisy environment, never mind, you know, life going on around it. Yeah, Um, constant emails and things like that. So I've gotten really good at not having to email much. Oh, really? Yeah, if I... You need to tell me your secrets. I I don't know what the secret is. (laughs) I think because I do a lot of social media, I'm messaging on there more. Yeah. But I'm on there anyway because that's my main source of, like, traffic and being visible. I try to set aside a certain... An hour at the start of the day and then an hour later. doesn't always kind of work like that because some things you really have to answer. Yeah. But, um, but, but again, on the memory thing, so an email come in, I'll, I'll read it or um, mark it as... Uh, or do you Do a quick them? reply so I know there's a draft there showing up in Gmail. And so that I don't forget to reply yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But I had it was refreshing the other day where somebody I was working with uh, said, oh, so, sorry, I haven't got back to you. I've just been deluged with emails. You know, I was kind of lost a week of my life dealing with we- emails, yeah, having yeah. come back from holiday. And in a way, uh, and that's what I love about people being honest about, um, about how things are. Yeah, because social media can just like obviously smokescreen all of that and make things out that life is just perfect yeah. in social media world. But it's refreshing because in the same way as um, a lot of your guests have talked uh, so eloquently about um, mental health issues, um, it's important for all of us to, you know hear other people say oh you know oh yeah well i've just been telling you this and it makes you think oh well i'm not alone yeah yeah, because exactly. you can think oh my god i'm the only one who's not coping with this email now everyone else is smashing it what's wrong well, with me yeah exactly <laughs> so um but that's just how life is and yeah you know. i think there's probably a little bit about the difference in our ages that leads into why you have more emails than me as well because i imagine you probably get converse with um, people of a similar age to yourself um it's quite a broad spectrum really but possibly more people i don't know i think that in itself is like email became a big thing late 90s early 2000s which is when you were most involved in it yes and that's probably just carried through so i'll have more whatsapp messages and social media messages and things like that yeah sorry i'm wrapping everything up into emails but oh yeah i saw that as well all that as well so yeah sometimes (laughs) it's like i need to reply what media did that yeah. person 
message you know, on? Was it WhatsApp? How do, have to how do I know WhatsApp, this person? And the, the last port of call is, is text, because nobody texts anymore, no, you know, because yeah. they'll do WhatsApp. So it's like, oh, my God, actually, somebody sent me a text. Yeah. You know, so... Well, you emailed me about the art exhibition, and then we chatted back and forth on email... And then I was like, well, I'll pop over, send me a number. And then yeah. you sent me your number on WhatsApp after a full conversation that we'd already yeah. had on WhatsApp like yeah. months ago. I know. That so was, was like, my brain oh, not turns out we've already got each other's I, I was just thinking, right. I'm yeah, just but gonna, I didn't check either. I'm just going to send it. I'm just going to send it. It's done. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really good at picking up what is just like someone trying to if someone's trying to extort money in any way so it's like oh I'm an SEO marketer or blah 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 because they always try and use a sneaky tagline in their subject or they'll use oh I'm about my order or something like that because they know that it's going to get your attention within about a sentence you can oh yeah and I'm just delete Delete. off blocks gone but then I I use unread because on my mail app it's easier just to use to mark stuff unread Mm -hmm. so then when I'm like who do I need to reply to I just click by sort by unread and it all just pops up so even if I've read it I'll remark it as unread and and then I'll go like a week and I'm like I really should reply to that email (laughs) and I'll be sat having a coffee in a coffee shop or something with my phone where I can do it I'm like I should probably reply to this but there's something that just stops me from replying and the more I'm learning about ADHD the more that fits into the like I forget what it's called but it's so you know you should be doing the task and you want to do the task Mm. but your brain is just like no we're not doing this task you're going to sit there and hate yourself for not doing it but I'm not going to let you do it it's a really weird and apparently that falls within the ADHD kind of range Um, so I'm on the waiting list for a referral or something for that um, which is a potentially three year waiting list which is wild It, it was 12 months so Grace um currently is she does the assessments for Nottinghamshire um when she started I think about a year ago it was a 12 month wait list now it's three years just because of the influx of people learning about it which is great people should know more about this sort of stuff but there's so many more people knowing about it and so many less people able to do anything to help with diagnosis and stuff like that that there's just this huge influx of people yeah but I imagine once this kind of wave of, like, people my age that have gone, oh, that sounds about right, once we've kind of cleared that, it will go back to, like, picking it up in kids and then there'll be a normal flow rate again. So we're at this little... T- in an ideal world. Yeah. Think, <laughs> Let's hope so. But I think there's, yeah. a, like, a TikTok, Instagram reel kind of generated awareness about it all so people on those platforms go if you do this you might have ADHD and then you go oh my god that sounds like me and you share it or send it and then TikTok will go oh you like that one did you here's another one and then you just get in this cycle of yeah I've definitely got this (laughs) but it'll be like random stuff like if you listen to music while you work you might have ADHD like isn't that just normal doesn't everybody listen to music while they work is that a thing that's like so you get a lot of mixed messages (laughs) that's like um, any any kind of one of the very small print uh, leaflets you get in any packet of medicine you know it's like you know all always say might cause death you yeah. know just as some kind of weird yeah. disclaimer and it's you like might it might cause this might cause like, that might cause this and it's like oh, crikey yeah I think caution may cause tiredness when it gets dark or after eight hours of being awake or something like yeah I, it's caution, yeah listen to me I, so I, I will listen to a lot of um, music while working yeah me I've, too. I've, I've um i heard you saying another one you know about listening to uh, like massive attack because it's kind of more um it's not 
um, vocal heavy as such, yeah. Yeah, non-invasive, and 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 similarly, um, I find that I, I just love music. So, I think you're going to say I just really love Massive Attack. <laughs> no, no I, I do, I do really like their stuff, um, and and similar. So I find that will be relaxing for me. Sometimes I have to turn it off. So suddenly. Yeah. So, something occurs and I really need to focus it like right hang on hang on that's doing my head yeah in. there's a brain it's process like being... overload but I think that's just a kind of sensory thing it's like having too many tabs open isn't it and your, yeah, your, your GPU it, thing again, goes up to 100% you're like I've got to close all of these things <laughs> yeah and again you know over the years I've realised that my brain isn't good at processing too many things at once yeah. so I prefer to work on in an ideal world, and it doesn't happen like this, it never happens like this, but I'd prefer to work on one at work, get it done, start the next one, get yep. it done. But obviously, some things take longer. You have to... Um, some some things require um, metal processes, so I send those off to third parties. So you have to kind of structure things in a certain way. So, um, so things hopefully work seamlessly but um doesn't always work like that but again it's kind of try to simplify all those um distractions and all the noise yeah so that you can focus on what you should be yeah, yeah. trying to focus on i but think it if doesn't you... always work like that never works like well, that. life isn't built that way is no it, but it if doesn't you can reduce the noise do you find that if you are able to focus on one project the quality is way better then in your your own kind of like um mental space rather than yes, the actual output. Uh, um possibly better but i think more a bit more efficient so so as an example I, because perhaps i'm more visually minded than text might you know so yeah. obviously i can read emails and things like that but like you with a big big formal document that will kind of be like ah, oh, it's it's kind of like your this brain is a goes into. Because I've got to do paragraph by paragraph by paragraph. Yeah, yeah. it's so I, I will take it in, but um, eventually. But I I'd much prefer it to be kind of bullet points of those important parts. Yeah. Um, I so find that with conversations as well. Like if I'm sat having a conversation about something that needs doing. I hate the little small talk bits. I'm just like, what needs doing? How does it need to look? What's what are we working towards? Thank you very much. I'll see you later. And I've had someone go, "You're very quiet, aren't you?" I'm like, "No, I'm just. If I've not got anything to say, I don't need. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. I've got no reason other than like, can you do this or can we get this sorted? So then I just sit and I'll crack on with my work. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not interested enough in other people's lives to need to know all the details. Yeah. In an ideal world, I'd be far more concise in myself. But I yeah. do waffle, and I know I waffle, and I try to reduce that waffle, <laughs> but I still waffle. I'm waffling now. The thing is, sorry, listeners, very, I'm waffling. It's easy to go off on tangents, though. It is, uh, yeah, and I'm terrible for that as well. But, but the if, difference is, back... if it's something you're interested in, you'll just go off. Yeah, but it doesn't exactly. matter whether the other person's interested or not. You're like, I'm going. <laughs> you're coming with me. Whereas if it's flipped and you're not interested, you're like, how quickly can we end this? <laughs> I yeah, just want us to stop yeah, immediately. Absolutely. But uh, but going back to the kind of project thing, if I'm kind of um, going back and forth between different things and um, if I'm picking up a project after a few days again I have to reread the correspondence just to refresh myself and okay this probably everyone has to do this maybe but I don't know it seems like um, I have to absorb all that information again yeah. and start again so it takes me a bit of a, 
uh, a lead up to get back to where I was. You kind of like and I find that frustrating again, aren't you? Because I don't like being idle. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably to a fault, I fill my time to maximum. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's just me. I get yeah. it with if let's say I'm working on a design, I I will just keep going until it's finished. To the detriment of everything else like not eating not drinking not sleeping <laughs> like it can be like one o'clock in the morning and grace is like i'm not able to go to sleep unless you're here because i know you're in the other room can you please stop for my sake she's like i know you'll just keep going but i need to go to sleep so we yeah. need to stop now and i'm like yeah but i, she's like, I don't care it's one o'clock in the morning come to bed you're not eating you've not had anything to drink like she'll come and make me a cup of tea and like an hour later she's like that's still a full cup. Have you not looked at it? I was like, I f- it's not in my immediate visual space. I forgot it existed. Yeah. Like, object permanence just disappeared. I'm like, oh, there's a thing there. I forgot that existed f- until right now. Like, <laughs> but it, it's it's really hard to then, if I have to put it down the next day, I have to kind of go, right, I need to work back through what my last mm. five steps were, say, so that I can yeah. go, right, I went here, 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 here. That's where I am. Right, I can carry on. Rather than going, I know exactly where I left off. Off we go. It's, it's yeah. probably a, a similar kind of process of I've got to re-enter that space that I was in when I put this down to then be able to carry on in the way that I was already moving forward. And also, if it's a, uh, a task that you are... <sighs> you're enjoying, but, you know, you're doing it for your own ends, like Tacona project versus dare I say work project you know uh, your other work project Um, if we're invested in it personally yeah I would I would just carry on and and to my thoughts I've I've worked far too many um, long hours certainly in video games too many well occasional all-nighters but certainly silly o'clock like into the early hours of the morning where particularly it's called crunch time end of a project and because um everyone's scheduled it very optimistically and not realistically which was a constant battle for me but um so it was almost expected that well the end of the project you do crunch time yeah and people would get in a, a big pizza order fortunately we we our company was pretty good and we managed to get um, food in from Aubrey Allen's in, in Leamington here. Right. Which is like world-class butchers. Right. And they okay. do hot food as well, <laughs> uh, which they sell during the daytime. They do catering. So it was like great food coming in. And another catering company locally as well came in. So at least we were getting proper meals. But a lot of the time it was kind of like, right, sorry, we're going to have to work late on this. I've ordered in pizzas kind of thing. Yeah. And that is... The first time it's like, oh, this is great. And then like by the 10th time, you're like, okay, I'd rather go home. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but also I've learned over the years that those kind of uneven working hours kind of really mess with your body clock. Yeah. And then your physical health and your mental health and things like that. So I, um, after so many big projects the last big project we did was guitar hero live so we worked on previous guitar hero games um three and four and a bit of five i think um but um which was when music games were in there that their peak. Yeah, yeah everyone had a piece of plastic to accompany yeah, yeah and we also did dj hero one and two if people 
ever bought that. It's very, it was very niche. It was a great game. It was one of those games which had a cult following. Yeah. And deserved better, but it, we just hit the, the when things were on the when it was at saturation point in the market. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. I'm waffling on again. But the point is that um, after the last project, I realised that I was just burnt out. Um, and also then I wasn't sleeping. I suffer uh, quite badly with insomnia. Um, it's okay at the moment. It's pretty good because I've tried, like I say, going back to try to simplify things and, and be more consistent in my yeah. getting up time and going to bedtime and, and trying all the other tricks. I've tried all the tricks over the years, you know, that it's possible to, to help get sleep but it was getting to the point where i was a walking zombie yeah. you know and I, I got signed off work um almost crashed the car into someone because i was just i was, I was getting like one hour a night yeah and it's just like oh this is i wasn't human anymore and uh, so and that's kind of realized that uh yeah you kind of need to look after yourself more and not uh, kind of work all hours and yet when I first started going full time artist again yeah, had a really big first gig and w- one of those which I couldn't afford to mess up and I worked all, all nighters and it was like hang on I'm, I'm just, just transferring <laughs> the mindset from video games into this yeah, and and it wasn't just um, it was some bad scheduling on my part, but also I was let down by um, some uh, third parties, which um, which I won't go into. But anyway, um, but yeah, and then I quickly realised that hang on, no, if I'm going to do this, I need to not do the bad stuff. Yeah, I need yeah. to look after myself better. Have you found kind of doing things for yourself has really opened up a lot of freedom for you to manage? what works for you and what doesn't work for you like for me take Wednesdays for example I purposely was like let's do it at least the afternoon or later in the morning because I will get out of bed later and I'll take my time in the morning and try not to feel as pressured as I see you're young you can do that still (laughs) well I'll still go to bed at midnight though yeah so I was 30 what last week a week before um in the last couple of years I've had effectively quite a lot of mental freedom in the sense that from being probably 14 to about 25 I always had some sort of external aggressor of stress like cause mainly my dad and the family and being in that environment blah 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 blah. so it's only really been within the last couple of years that I've not been in the situation that I was in with that so in 2019 I moved to Brighton for my old job for UPS when I worked in sales and I had probably a year and a half maybe two years of learning what it was like to be fully independent so when I lived back up home I rented a house from my dad so it's not quite the same as being fully independent it was it's his house and I paid his mortgage for him and that was about it but I was still where I knew with people I grew up with it, it was very familiar and then I went all the way through the end of the country and I was like, I'm living by myself in a shared house, which I've never done before. I didn't do uni, so I never had like the halls or anything like that. Yeah. I never lived away from home. I never paid rent to someone. I'd like never done any of it. And I was like, let's do it all at once. 
<laughs> and they'll take on a all corporate in, job. All yeah. in, I'm, go- yeah. I'm going for maximum mind overload. Exactly, I moved yeah. into a sales job, never done that before. <laughs> I moved to the other end of the country, I moved into a shared house, I rented from a complete stranger. I Fortunately, I've been with Grace for about a year and a half, so I had some stability there. Yeah. But other than that, everything was new. Um, so it was then... Oh, this is the first time I've been an adult in the, in the traditional sense of it, completely independent from anyone else. So it took it took a good couple of years to learn how to do that properly and go, right, I know how to pay bills and I know how to make sure the rent's sorted and I know how to like live independently and not be going around to my mum's to get dinner if I forgot to get any food or anything like that. So it's only really been in the last couple of years I'm like, right, I know who I am as a person. I know the functioning as an adult bit is kind of it's a subconscious thing now. I don't have to actively try and figure that out. And it's wild to learn what works for me and what doesn't. It's like I will happily work until 11 o'clock at night if I'm doing something I'm interested in. Yeah. But I will like laboriously get out of bed before 10 o'clock if I'm not going to work. It's a real kind of learning how, who you are as a person and taking the time to actually take note of that process mm-hmm. and be present in the kind of understanding of that rather than going well society says I should be up at 8 in the morning and I should be working by 9 and I should be finished yeah. by 5 and then I should be yeah. going to the gym until 6 and then I should have dinner like that isn't, isn't it works for like 9 to 5 working life because that's what's been decided but that doesn't mean it has to be the way you live your life No. and I think stepping out onto your own like you did and what I'm hoping to do in the future is a big part of learning that dynamic for what works for you and what doesn't and how to be effectively most efficient for how you function it's um i would say it's it's tricky um it being my wife we have some we have great conversations in both trying to um have a better work-life balance so um she works from home a lot in her job she's got great flexibility and it's like like for a lot of people probably the only good thing from um from the covid lockdowns was people were reassessing what they were doing in their lives and thinking do you know what actually i really enjoy being able to go out into nature more and have a walk on a daily basis kind of thing and and those little things that we perhaps um forget because we're all wrapped up in um the kind of like you say the traditional nine to five or the traditional patterns of working um so in a way that was refreshing and it is both it is refreshing being able to work for yourself and i've got other friends who used to work with in video games who have gone on to start their own businesses in completely different fields as well um one's a garden designer one's a sound um sound engineer artist um and none of them became accountants though they're all still kind of creative (laughs) no um and i would say it's it's again it's a yin and yang thing it's it's hard to kind of work out a balance in your life so the great thing is that you get to choose what you do at any point in the day so you can structure your work around other things the bad thing about working for yourself is that 
you've got the whole day to structure the things that you want to do around your work. Yeah. It's that kind of... So... We thought you it, have to do work. You yeah, have to motivate and yourself to do so, some work. Yeah, so we... Um, when I'm working from home, I work in one room. My wife has an office in another room. We're fortunate that we have got the space to do that. Um, and... And that's great. And then we'll have time for ourselves, you know, great because we get to meet for lunch when I'm working from home and she is simultaneously and at the end of the day. So that's great. And we we would get into the habit of going out for walks, evening, um, morning, etc. Um, but also we were probably um, not getting the breaks that we perhaps needed still or not structuring so so I, I like going out and riding my bike and getting fresh air you know and stirring up all those endorphins that way um seeing just the the greenery yeah. green is a very calming color so that's my release so now i have the freedom to pick and choose when i do that i was finding out i was doing less cycling than when i was working in town uh yeah. say freestyle doing the video games because then i had a structure to follow now my life is dare i say less structured and you'd think oh that's great and i'm not moaning i'm not moaning at all this Jeez, is johnny just gonna get a job already yeah exactly <laughs> no this I'm, I'm certainly not moaning but i'm just highlighting that um it can be weird to try to find that right balance yeah. again because you've got too much freedom and in some ways it's like having a going to a restaurant and having a menu of like 100 items and it's like I've got too much choice yeah, too yeah. much choice I just want a menu with four things to choose from or something you it know. forces you to pick and, and, and compromise yeah. And, yeah so so that is an interesting thing to try and get your head around when you're working for yourself yeah my Wednesdays are so unstructured like I, I get up later than I normally would I go to bed later than I normally would I do less like I'm going to invert commas work because I'm like I can just float around and just it's yeah. my day off and then I have to kind of remind myself it's not a day off it's a day for this it's not a oh I've got an extra weekend day it's a yeah. it's intentional like it's Wednesday for a reason it's not Friday and have a nice long weekend it's Wednesday because it's still part of a, a normal working week and I, I kind of kid myself into saying that this is work. <laughs> like, it might be one day. But it is, it is. It's kind of. I'm not well-established and well-known It is enough. work that you enjoy. It's your passion. Yeah. But it's still work. And I think you should always think of it as, as, as work, but enjoyable work. No, that's true. And hopefully this, as I continue doing it, will it has progressively gotten a bigger following than when I first started yeah. and things like that and if that continues then it will intrinsically have more value and then it will feel more like it's work yeah but I, I'm saying it you should think of it as work or perhaps you, you maybe think of it as work I'm not going to dictate yeah <laughs> I hate people do that but um, uh, only because sometimes um, I find that I carry on the work because I'm enjoying it and it's my thing. It's it's part of creating art is a kind of a, a, an enjoyable release um, for me, you know, like getting out into the countryside on a bike. So, but that, the other flip side of that is that the weekend will come 
and because there is a lack of structure, I'll just carry on working. Yeah, yeah. And and then not get round to doing going out places and doing the endless list of tasks in the garden. Yeah. You know, particularly this time of year. But you know the the. Um, other things which aren't work. Yeah. So no, I understand. I mean, like this weekend, yeah. I've not got an event booked, and I'm like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do, what cost of something. It's weird. And it's isn't like it? it's weird. Yeah. And Grace is really good at going. No, you need to have a day off. I know you like going to car shows. And I know you like driving. And I know you like taking photos and doing all that yeah. stuff. But that is technically part of your business. You need to have a day off where you sit and play video games in your pants. Like, just do so nothing true. that is of any value in any way. Yeah. Because it is downtime. Because all the stuff that I do with Tacona, as much as I love going to car shows and taking photos and chatting to people endlessly, it is technically for a purpose. It's not just a, yeah. a pastime in that regard. And it's really hard to not do that. Like, I used to do a lot of, like, jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts. Yeah. And that felt like, well, it's fitness, it's for my own... I'm progressing my body. And Grace <laughs> like, well, do you enjoy it? I was like, yeah, I really love it. She went, well, then do it for that. Stop thinking there's an end goal to it. You're not going to become bloody Jason Statham or anything like that. Just enjoy <laughs> the bloody thing and stop trying to attribute, like, an end point or a value to it. Just be present in the moment and enjoy doing something for the sake of doing something. So yeah. we have this saying in the house of wash the dishes for washing the dishes do the task be present in the task yeah and just be in that process so i wash the dishes every morning when i get up i'll put the kettle on put some toast in the toaster and i'll stand and wash the dishes i'll leave my phone like not in my hand or not playing or anything just do something and be in that moment and like last night we were watching what's it called reacher it's based on the jack reacher books but it's not the tom cruise films it's a series on amazon and my phone was on the table and it kept flashing and Grace went you've not looked at your phone for an hour you've just done one thing for once you've been able to just do one thing and that's watch TV yeah. so normally it's like watching TV on my phone scribbling something down fiddling around with she's like you've just done one thing for an hour I've never seen you do that before she, she's yeah. like I'm so proud of you you've made so much progress I was like thank you so much I didn't realise that I was doing anything special until you pointed that out and now I want to look at my phone <laughs> yeah but it, it, again it's important like the washing up for yeah. Um, I've heard you say that before and it's it's a really good uh, uh, some might say uh, an obvious thing but it's not it's kind of like yeah doing those things like cooking yeah I, I, I really enjoy cooking when I put my mind to it because I have to focus on cooking yeah or I can't think now my mind's gone blank but doing a particular task where you have to focus so I mean the wood workshop's next door you know when you're doing that you have to focus on that because otherwise you chop your hand off yeah that's not good blood everywhere really messy yeah my granddad lost his fingertips to a wood plane (laughs) (laughs) I had to have a skin skin graft off his like thigh I think so we used to call him butt hands oh no (laughs) you only kind of do that once don't you oh yeah you learn that lesson very quickly but um and I think, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I mentioned uh, convenience earlier. And uh, in a way, convenience is um, a kind of, it's obviously seen, it is a positive thing overall, but it ha- can be a negative in our lives because, you know, we'll rely on an automated process to do X or something to do Y. But yeah, actually, like a dishwasher, for example. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes actually just doing a task manually 
like the washing up can be or cooking yeah can be just like do you know what actually this is really nice to do something which is tactile and have to think about it look at us going full circle yeah full circle <laughs> crikey who'd have thought Oof, I don't think you've got ADHD you want to have done that <laughs> I was out with a couple of people recently and we've been chatting away and it's like sharing a lot of similarities and then I kind of go you know I'm on the waiting list for an ADHD assessment right and I'm like yeah so I'm like we've shared a lot of similarities in how we function and it's like oh shit (laughs) maybe I've got ADHD and I I have this weird little like I'm not a I'm not a doctor or anything like that and I I don't really know what I'm talking Mm. about but I go I see this in myself and that has led me to this place and you're saying a lot of things that I've talked about and seen in myself. Yeah. Maybe you should do some reading on it. <laughs> Whereas you've retained information and you've, you've mentioned things that I've said before in other podcasts, which I can't do. I don't know what I've said to people before. I know that I've sat with like Jim McGill for three hours. I couldn't tell you what happened within those three hours without listening to it again. No, I think it's just little... When, you, when it's somebody else, little, little things kind of just um, uh, get lodged as... Oh, that was that was an interesting little line or yeah. something. Um, but yeah, ask me what I said in the past, and it, I, I might have the vague gist. Yeah, but I wouldn't be able to say oh, I don't actually know what I what I said word for word. Yeah, which makes it my brain witnesses. doesn't work like that. It's kind of out, and then it's out. <laughs> it's, I think if we're ever interrogated for anything, we're going to be useless. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. What I said. I don't, <laughs> I think I was talking to that person. I've no it idea. might have been Wednesday. It might have been Thursday. Yeah. I don't know. Where were you on this night? Could have been anywhere. <laughs> no, you can't say that, but I generally could have. <laughs> yeah. But I think also, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether because of the busyness of, our, of everyone's lives generally, or life generally at the moment, is that we find it hard to retain information I don't know I think we have a crutch at all times that does that for us as well I find it a lot so I've got my iPhone here and if I want to know what I was doing on any given day I go into my camera roll and I will have taken a photo at some point throughout that day so it retains that information for me I know on a Sunday recently I was at Bista. Yeah. And I know I took a photo of an orange McLaren. So I just find the photo of the orange McLaren and it tells me the date. So my yeah. brain doesn't really have to do that process anymore because I rely so heavily on this piece of technology to remember stuff for me. Yes. And I think if it was, say, 15 years ago before I had this iPhone, I'd probably have a better memory for when stuff happened and how it happened and what was said and this, that and the other. Whereas now, because I'm so accustomed to going straight to my phone, yeah. that pathway doesn't really exist in my brain anymore. Our brain is relying on that technology, and it's gone, yeah. you've used that technology before, therefore I'm not going to remember that fact for you. Because I know you've got yeah. that thing again. Uh, There's a really interesting um, series on Radio 4, I think it was, recently, and uh, by a guy talking about the conveniences within our lives and how it is affecting our brain. I think that came up where we don't absorb information, we don't retain as much information these days because we rely on a digital record of it. And and it's only when perhaps, um, as I've done last year and have done again this year on my phone you smash my phone and you realize oh i haven't backed up that oh recently. no I, no it was fine <laughs> i managed to down on the i properly smashed my last phone where 
um, like ink ink doom of death, like oh, descended crawling, across the screen. There. So I only had a certain amount of time to download and press on the screen yeah. to get the information off, kind of thing. And that made you realise, oh my god, I've just I've got so much. Yeah, yeah. is reliant on a phone rather than. But yeah, I, I will. I couldn't do remember that. how to get home from here because I sat naved it. I know that I can. I need to go towards Warwickshire and then left towards Coventry, and then once I get to Coventry, I know where I am. Yeah. But the specific road out of here, I can just about get home. <laughs> and my other half is worse than I am at this. Oh, really? She has no idea where we are in physical space at any given moment. Like we'll be out in the countryside. She's like, where's the car? And I'll go. It's over there. Like, How do you know? Well, the sun's there, and I know yeah. where we are in relation to like. Oh, no idea. So every house viewing we've done recently is this north facing or south facing? I'm like. Where's the sun right now? It's over there. And what time is it? It's five o'clock in the afternoon. So then we are... She's like, no idea. Hey, it's just, come on, yeah. figure it out. And I've it, always I think, prided myself on being able to go somewhere, driving-wise or walking somewhere, and like then retrace. that mapping in my mind where I'm going without relying on sat-nav. Yeah. And then um, 2018, when I was going to Europe, I got a sat-nav because I thought... I'm driving on my own. Chances are I don't want to be trying to be pulling over every five minutes to check a map or going round like the Brussels ring road, which is notoriously bad. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. I've been to Brussels. Unfortunately, I didn't have to drive at all. Yeah, it 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 lures you in and then you get stuck on the periphery and and it's horrible. Don't do it, folks. Um, But but I needed to have a sat-nav so that I... Uh, it was just easy it was painless yeah. and now I do rely on the sat nav more but I'd much rather have a map I'd I, I quite often if I'm going somewhere like um, uh, I will look at on a map and go on to um, Street View and work out alright oh, oh that's a key turn right I need to oh there's a garage on the corner or there's a particular shop or a that's more effort than most people put into any journey though I oh, know but then you're like I'm going to Google Maps this and I'm going to find oh, no, I'm like you know, only what's the kind postcode of... off we go let's go yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean if it's really tricky if it's t- town drive but if it's kind of cross country yeah. I'd much rather kind of know what to expect a bit have in my mind alright okay yeah I'm just driving until I find that particular um, turn there with yeah. the pub on the corner I don't know. Yeah. I did drive it day last year in the Renault with my one of my close friends. Um, and that is, here is a list of turns after a certain amount, like a road rally. Oh, right. I've never done that before. And oh, yeah. we did really well up until like turn 60 of 65 or something. I was like, I'm sure it was there. And he was like, mm. and then we saw a car follow us. But then we saw a car coming the other way. <laughs> and we we're like, oh, now we're all lost. <laughs> I know where the end point is, but I'm not quite sure where we are in relation to that. And it was so tricky because I've spent so long, all of my driving life, pretty much, I've had a sat-nav. Yeah. So I've spent the whole of that time going, I just, I know, I just press a button and it tells me the route to follow. But this was a specific route that they'd driven up so that it was a nice drive. So it wasn't just from point A to point B. It was, no, this is a nice bit of road. This is a nice bit. Follow these directions and you'll have a nice drive. And it was so disorientating. I was just immediately like, I'm sure that was a turn and now I'm I'm lost in space because I can't remember where we are in relation to where we're going and this, that and the other. It was really bizarre to try and do. Yeah, but I I, I don't know, because perhaps I grew up 
having to look at a map. When I was a kid, I used to be fascinated by maps, and that's probably where it comes from. And, okay, you know, sat-nav is just a diff- digital representation of that, and obviously you just have to look at it, and it tells you where you're going. Yeah. But equally, I have got stuck down some really narrow lanes, and <laughs> when you're in an old car, you know, you really don't want to get stuck in a, no. in a, in a small lane your, with a, your lovely a big, Lamborghini. Well... Yeah, which that's not exactly be, small. Be going, but it's not it's not narrow. No, and also it's left hand drive. But um, <laughs> so and yeah, recently I was bringing it back from service and I got stuck going down because I oh, what did I do? The sat nav just took me its quickest route. Yeah, down all these really sl- small lanes and laughingly it was um, when I got there. I said to the guy, um, it was like lanes called narrow lane watery lane really narrow lane yeah this lane is only five foot wide lane. yeah you fucked up here lane yeah and it was it was just laughable they got smaller and smaller and it was uh, but with steep banks each side yeah and it's proper was like, countryside lane yeah. yeah where it's like i've got no chance of reversing i've just got to carry on <sighs> but it's not as bad as say some of the i don't know small oh, french italian, italian villages, villages yeah. where you think how's how have they managed to get that fit 500 through that gap an old fiat 500 yeah yeah and then you realize that's what fiat 500s are designed for they're designed to get through that meter wide gap in italian yeah because you can't uh, get anything finish. else yeah there. and it, it's it's annoying that there isn't a setting on phones sat navs where it's like are there speed humps it might be the fastest way in an suv but my car will have to stop at every one of those so i'd rather go round and not have to do any speed bumps but there's no setting for speed bumps or width or road surface because there's never going to be it'd no. take too long to map no. that but it's like if i had a button that i could press it's like i don't want gravelly potholy roads and i don't want speed bumps i'd i'll happily drive three extra miles to not do that i would love that because even though my car's not that wide, it is quite low and it is quite firm. And it's the bane of my existence going over the... And all of the bits of my suspension make noise now. So if you go over any bit of road, it's like... I'm like, which thing's breaking and which thing's supposed to make that noise because I've just tinkered with the car. Like, it's so anxiety-inducing driving over a rough bit of road. Yeah. Like, even the gravelly bit of road to get down here, which isn't that gravelly... I'm going along going, please let me a pothole, because it's just going to make me like uncomfortable for the next half an hour as I remember that feeling of, right, is anything broken? Is it all still attached? Is that knocking sound just because the car's lowered, or is it a broken thing now? Like, yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And thanks to Northampton Council, I'm going to have a, a moan now, the bit of road from my house to the motorway, which is a normal piece of road with a lane going in each direction and it's smooth, has been closed so they can build another, a third roundabout for a third housing development. I, there has not been more than four days since we've lived in our house where there hasn't been roadworks between us and the motorway. And we live five minutes away from the motorway. Yeah. It's one, it's one road in a dual carriageway and there's been roadworks either on near where we are or on the other side of a roundabout or on the left of a roundabout or the rock. Like, there's... When we moved, there were two roundabouts and they're, like, connected to each other. There's now two extra roundabouts for housing estates and a third one on the way. Mm. And the diversion is country lanes that are six foot wide and nobody else knows how to drive. I nearly got hit by an old lady in a Honda Jazz this morning that was in the middle of the road. Didn't move at all when I was coming towards her. (laughs) And it's just so frustrating. (laughs) 
And this has been the last... And apparently this road's closed for 10 months. Really? Apparently, oh, yeah. Crikey. And it's like, how much did this housing development pay Northampton Council oh. to get access to do this roundabout? Well, as you probably saw coming over, you probably hit... You probably crossed some part where HS2's going through. And so many of the roads have, like, been rerouted, re-threaded, yeah. um, because of HS2... That's a huge making project, isn't it? a mess of If you go to Caffeine everywhere. Machine, you hit probably three different roundabouts that are construction sites for HS2. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really hit any just because of the roads it brought me on. It was mainly A45, A46, and the back lane here. Yeah. I was behind, very briefly behind, a lovely vintage Porsche. And then an Audi driver on a roundabout decided that... Even though both lanes went left, he had to go from the right lane to the left lane. Of course, yeah. As me and this Porsche were there. So he just <sighs> dived across in front of us, doing 20 mile an hour. And we're coming off this roundabout at 40. So we both slammed the brakes on, and the Porsche guy didn't swerve around him. So I was like, well, I'm going to. Went around both of them. And then he followed me. And then we immediately got stuck behind a tractor. Oh. But... The tractor pulled over to let traffic pass. That's good. That's which good. rarely ever happens when you're on the road. He genuinely yeah. indicated, pulled over, let everyone pass, pull back out again. Yeah. Which is the it's rarest just, of the rare. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a dying art, but um, and I find that being on the bikes, so I rode in this morning uh, because the uh, obviously my normal transport's uh, off the road, um, and uh, although I do like riding in. Um, because um, it's just I get a little bit uh, of it's not training by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I get a little bit fitter and yeah. I get my commute in. But anyway, I do find that um, it's it's a very low percentage, which um, you always get like one driver, but um, who's a bit of a an idiot. But that's just life in general. Yeah. But I always try to pull over, and I'd tractors here. We're on a working farm, and uh, the tractors here will let traffic pass every now and again. And uh, yeah, if I see if I see people behind me, I I don't want to hold them up. Yeah. Necessarily, we're not. But so I'll pull in when I get a chance, and then. But some people would just try and squeeze past you on a lane, and it's like. I'm just going to pull over there where there's a little thing, but they'll, they'll, they'll squeeze you into the verge, yeah, which isn't nice. It's just not no. nice. And the inverse of that is when you get cyclists that stay two abreast and you're like, can you just move over for like three seconds because I'm going to blip yeah, past you? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, that, because the Highway Code does recommend that on certain roads, when conditions allow, you are, you are it is in a way safer mm. to ride two abreast rather than... Line of stern because it's you're taking up the same space as a car. It's a moot point. I prefer not to ride two abreast. Um, And fortunately, people do now. I've I've noticed car drivers do tend to give you a bit more room, like the meter and a half that they should. And vans even more so. I I tend to go all the way onto the side. Yeah, I do too. There's no point taking that chance. I know because also I've got a van and I know what it's like where when I'm passed by a van and lorries even worse and you get that big draft which draws you towards the vehicle so yeah I always try to go on the other side of the road it's just just safer I know a guy he was towing a like a trailer wide enough to fit a car on I think he had hay bales or something on it 
and there was caught to a pack of cyclists and they were two two abreast saw him come in pulled in hadn't realised he had a trailer on so as soon as the, the I think it was like a Land Rover or something as soon as that had passed guy pulled back out again and then just got clipped by the trailer and sued him and the guy was like I didn't I didn't do anything I just I passed you and you pulled out into the side of me and the guy tried to sue him and said he had dived towards him and this that and the other oh, and it was this nightmare because the guy just wasn't paying attention on his bike and didn't look to see when it was safe to pull back out again. That's surprising, because uh, when I'm riding, <laughs> I'm really mindful of, yeah. of uh, is it safe to do so, because you are so vulnerable. You yeah, know, exactly. Most, most of the vehicles now are two-tonne plus yeah. um, versus... Um, a Fiat 500 is not going to hurt you on, as much on as a, a good day. I'm <laughs> me and the bike might be a hundred kilograms. I don't know, you know. Um, but um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but then I have been like deliberately swiped at, overtaken, and then somebody cutting right in front of me. And it's just like seriously, you know. It's That's just let's just all life, be right? a little bit more. Um, um, you know, just considerate to one another. You know, yeah, we're all kind of humans. You know, yeah. we're not. Life isn't fast enough that you need to be driving like that either. Like, there is nothing happening in anyone's life that they need to do that. No. It's the same with when people say about um, speeding. There isn't a situation that is, unless it's life and death, there isn't a situation that can really justify going stupidly fast. You, you've got no reason to do it other than I enjoy going quickly or someone's going to die if I don't. And they're the only two reasons for going that quickly. Like It's not a, oh, I was late for work. Then you're late for work. You're going to be late. You have to live with that consequence because you ran into traffic, whatever. You can't justify it because your life isn't the centre of how things work. Mm. It's the same with... Just give a little bit more space. Take a little bit longer. Do 10 mile an hour for a minute more to make sure that you don't, you know, accidentally kill someone on their their cycle to work. Mm. And I think there's a lot of... People get really caught up in their own world and their own life. And it's really easy to do in a big metal box where you just... You're isolated from the rest of the world and it doesn't seem like reality until it comes crashing through the windscreen. A lot of people need to kind of, you know, just maybe just drive with the windows down a bit more. And you can hear yeah. and see and feel and smell what's going on around you and it just feels a little bit more connected. Yeah. it's say, Around here, because it's very countrified, um, there's lots of um, equestrian places, yeah. paddocks uh, and things. So there are a lot of horses on the road as I well. I really struggle with horses on the road. I, it's a real sticking point for me, logically, more than I appreciate people's passion and they like riding horses. And I grew up in the Derbyshire countryside. Yeah, but how... Well, yeah. The sticking point but for me is it, that's the thing with its own mind. If it can control itself and it can have a panic attack and cause injury... It should be transported in a contained environment rather than a 14-year-old riding a horse down the road. Because that, that mm. to me, is the volume of traffic on the roads now is pre- like hugely more risky because um, that horse a, could have a bad reaction Yeah, I know what and you're a 14-year-old saying about can't rural. control it. True, it is an animal. Um, but also, it's like... But equally, we were talking about really uh, rural areas, I guess. And um, I think because it is a slow-moving object, high-vis, 
is definitely helps. Yeah. In and in the same way, um, cars, you know, on a micro level, but even just for me, when I'm on the bike and looking in the little rear view mirror I've got, now the cars have, or modern cars have lights on, it's easy to see when a car is behind me as well. Yeah. Um, and I try to make myself visible on the bike as well. And it's just one of those things where, and even to the point where I, I'll have my lights on, on the bike, even though it's daylight myself so when i'm going down a dark lane i can be seen as well yeah and it's just one of those things which for me it's, it just makes sense but there we go it's not for how but. do you feel passing horses on your bike or do you just yeah. go i'm just not gonna bother no no, no i just go really slow yeah i'm um, in the same way as in a car sometimes if it's quiet en- enough uh, uh you know uh, right i'm I'm really, um, (laughs) I've got a bell on my bike as well. Right, yeah. You know, just because that, because I do ride in this rural area quite a lot, so that'll help the horse rider ahead. No, that's not. So, no, you're there, or someone walking their dog ahead. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll shout out, is it okay to pass, you know, um, to the, the rider? And most times it'll be like, fine. But then, even on the lane outside here, uh, one of the neighbours passed by the horse on the other side of the road way too fast. You know, yeah. we're talking like 30 mile an hour and then immediately pulled into their driveway. <laughs> and it wasn't like... Uh, they j- clearly didn't care in their... in their Range Rover or whatever. It, well, yeah. It, yeah, it was an SUV, but even it, whatever car they were driving, clearly didn't care that that horse was there if they were driving on, they they might think, oh, right, yeah, I'm not going to be identified. But the fact that they then pulled into their driveway, driveway clearly means that they didn't care about the horse and the rider there yeah, yeah. who might be their neighbour, <laughs> which probably was. Yeah, you know, and it's and just like that lack of awareness, <laughs> which I, I don't like, you know, in society. Most people are uh, absolutely great yeah. and considerate, and it's just that very small 1% or less probably 0.1%, which will just make you go, do you know what? There's no need for that. Yeah. There's no need for that. We uh, we were in Wimbledon in a coffee shop, and this guy cut in front of our friend. And then our, our friend, being a grown-up, just walked away. And me and my other friend, being the children that we are, confronted this guy. He's like, well, I know how cues work. We were like, Clearly you don't, though, do you? And he was just caught up in his own little world that he, he'd cut in front of someone, not realised, not acknowledged it and not apologised. And then when two people called him out, just tried to defend the point that he was there. Well, I'm local, I come here every day. And we're like, well, then you should learn how the bloody queue works, should you? And he was just so caught up in his own little world oh. that it's like, well, we could also be local. We could also come here every day. Yeah. And you don't know what I'm going to do after this situation because I could then... I could be a guy that would happily wait outside for you the next time. You'd have no idea what someone's going to do after you've interacted with them. Yeah. Like, I am consciously aware of if someone has followed me for the last three turns, I have, like, a route round my estate where if I feel like someone's following me, I'll take that route, and if they follow me for two more turns, I just won't go into my driveway because my car is so recognisable. Yeah. I don't particularly want anyone <laughs> to know where I live yeah. just in case because... 
it's not an expensive car and I've not got anything of that much value, but I'd rather not have everybody know where I am. So I'll yeah. just go for a little drive round. It's not exactly camouflaged, is no. it? Let's say that. I, I didn't go with a subtle colour scheme. But I'd rather be able to go, oh, I'm aware of someone else's presence, than go, oh, I'm just going to be an absolute knobhead, pull into my driveway and hope nobody's seen me. And it's so... I think everybody should be much more easily recognisable because it gives you more accountability. Everyone should yeah. have their email address written on the back number plate. <laughs> Because then if you upset someone, they can chat to you directly and call you an idiot. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things. I think we've, we forget that we're all kind of neighbours to a certain degree. So, you know, somebody might, say, cut you up in town. And I must admit, you know, I, I can be quite Latin on my horn sometimes. <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah. Um, but... And but I kind of think, oh, do you know what? Actually, yeah, they might be living the next road, and and it's just like, yeah, you know, we're all a... we're all part of the, the community, yeah, in the same way that you know we are part of a car community. That's a different kind of community, but a, a, a local a location community, yeah. And really, we should just be trying to not. Cause aggravation. I've just nearly live put, our lives as we wish. Yeah, but I've nearly put letters through my neighbour's post box to apologise for how loud my car is, <laughs> and the fact that I'm out early every weekend. <laughs> like I, I'm almost at the point where I'm like, I'm really sorry. It's just loud, and I'm not doing it to be aggravating. It's just how the car is, because I've ruined it. Um, and just like I am aware that it is noisy, and I leave early in the morning, and I'm sorry. I, we're moving soon oh, if it makes you. you feel any better like I've got, I'm almost at that point where I'm like once the contracts are exchanged on this new house I'm going to just send them all a letter and go just, just the ones that I know I'm immediately affecting going I'm really sorry that it makes so much noise Yeah. if it makes you feel any better I'll be gone soon <laughs> like, I think I get a little bit of a pass because of what's branded all over it and what I'm trying to do but at yeah. the same time I'm like I'm so sorry <laughs> and if it's not that it's the Renault starter motor <laughs> just while it eventually gets going I've realised a thing on modern cars that even some cars when they're reversing make a beeping sound I've Did heard they? it on some neighbours cars is it mainly electric ones uh, yeah poss- possibly a lot of them were now in like a almost a spaceshipy sound yeah no this is there. a kind of I'm reversing I'm beeping it's not a, this vehicle is re- it's not quite that <laughs> level but I'm kind of thinking I'm glad I don't live next to you because I heard this I, I don't know what it was but um, reversing it it's like that would be really annoying early in the morning yeah I'm saying an old fart now just moaning drives. about stuff but it's like who thought that it was necessary to have a reversing beeping sound on a car I guess it was the same people that made them silent in the first place what we should do is just reverse onto your driveway which is the safest way to do it anyway ah oh, well yeah actually it's funny you say that we had um we had a, a gas engineer come to our house yesterday to do a job, and he parked outside because my van was taking up the driveway space. Normally, I, I, I park off so you can park in when he's been before. And uh, parked his car outside on the road. There's no ye- double yellow lines, no single yellow lines. Just, just parked there yeah, yeah. next to the entrance. Um, and the neighbour reversed into it. I heard a bang because I was upstairs working. I said to him, 
sorry, the, our neighbour's just reversed into your car because I could, looked out the window, I could see he pulled forward and he was looking at his rear bumper. And, uh, and um, I let him get on with it and sort it out. Uh, and uh, he came back in. He said, oh, he was very good about it. He seemed to uh, agree that it was his fault. <laughs> but he did say, oh, you know, well... You, you, you shouldn't, shouldn't have been there. parked then. It's like, what, not parked on the road? And where, <laughs> the, you know, the, it, of course, it, you know. And he clearly wasn't looking yeah, at all. Yeah, he's and, just and, so used to just coming back. Yeah, yeah. and there's uh, kids across the way who the ball comes over the wall. And it's like, it's like, crikey, you weren't looking enough to see a big estate car parked there. <laughs> he was saying, oh, you shouldn't have been you're facing the wrong side of the road. And it's like, um, well, that's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know. That's a joke. And, yeah, it was just... Um, when I worked for UPS, it's company policy to reverse into parking spaces for everyone. Yeah, same with ProDrive as well. Yeah, it's company policy. Yeah. Because it's the safest way to leave a parking spaces forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, it's a bugbear of mine. It's the same with... It's up there with... It's actually probably not up there with middle lane hoggers. It's not as far up as middle lane. No, they it's really not far do up. Get that, that really is. Um, but... Um, I got but, an email yeah. from one recently. Really? Yeah. It, uh, it was on the way back from Le Mans. Got an email. And to be fair to the guy, and I, I, if he does hear this, I, it's not a criticism of your intentions as a person. <laughs> the criticism is of the lack of awareness of some of the situation. Because I must have been doing 70 in lane two as you're supposed to, passing whatever was in lane one. And this guy was in either lane three or lane four. Oh. I was on the motorway. Right, Okay. So we've got four lanes. I think it was the M20 or the M25, something. Either way, four lanes. And the the email starts off, I've just discovered what you do, really like what you do, think it's a great idea. Really lovely email. Thought I'd make you aware of something. (laughs) Because if you're not aware, you don't know how to fix it. I was like, right, okay, what problem have I caused? (laughs) And it was, well, you passed me in lane two... And you passed me on the left in lane two, then pulled out into lane four, passed some more cars, then pulled all the way into lane one, and then pulled back out into lane three, passed some more cars, and then all the way into lane four, and then all the way back into lane one. Indicating every time... Lane one being the one next to the hard shoulder. Yes. Yeah. Lane one on yeah. the inside, four on the outside. Yeah. So his description was, I was, I passed him, he was in lane three, and I was in lane two and I passed him, then pulled out into like lane four, passed some more cars, then pulled all the way into lane one because there were no cars to pass, then pulled back out to pass some more cars, and then back out again to pass even more cars, and then went all the way back to lane one. He said, you were driving like you were at Le Mans. I haven't replied to this guy because I don't want to antagonise, and I really struggle to not do that. <laughs> I think I might reply with thank you for the kind words. Um, do you have any dash cam footage? I'll look into it, whatever. Just in case I'd done something wrong, but knowing how I drive, I'll have been doing the speed limit and just continue doing the speed limit. And uh, I was like, in this email, you've just said that you were in lane three and I passed you in lane two, which means you should have been in lane two because if I've got enough space to just cruise past, you've got enough space to pull in. And it's just this lack of awareness that... Technically, you're in the wrong because I can be sat in lane one doing 70 and you can be sat in lane four doing 60 and you're in the wrong for being in the outside lane not overtaking people and I'm fine to just continue on my journey at the speed limit. 
And I was like, you sent an actual email of this. It upset you so much, even though you were in the wrong position on the road. And he was like, well, he did indicate at every point. I was like, yes, because I was driving as you're supposed to, overtaking people and then pulling all the way back in again. But because I'd gone from lane four to lane one after I'd passed people, it looked like a, like a dive. Yeah. I was like, well, no, all of these people are in the wrong lanes and I'm just going back to where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. It really... Cause I, yeah, because I think a lot of people forget that you should be in the lane one. Yeah. And you're only overtaking, and once you're finished overtaking, you go back to lane one. Yeah. But most most middle lane hoggers think that that's just where you you stay i've had i've noticed a trend where i've had people um are in the fast lane ahead nothing yeah oh, sorry yeah. I, I shouldn't say fast lane lane three. Lane. Oh, three, three, yeah. lane three yeah and nothing in the inside and, and it's just like sit there. okay all right i'm coming up behind you um okay and i might you know like the french indicate yeah and or then, like the germans uh, and, and then you'll flash. get a flash yeah so you know uh so i might indicate and it's like what are you going to do and uh, and then they might pull over and you pass, them, pass and they them pull straight back out and they'll pull out and, and it's like what what are you doing yeah what are you doing i had a guy in an f pace a gr- i I felt very proud because I kind of tricked him into using lane one because he was aggressively trying to block me. And all I did was just go back to lane one because he was so caught up with blocking me. He went to lane one and sat in front of me. And I was like, great, you're where you're supposed to be. (laughs) I've got my cruise control on at 70, so we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But he was so wound up about the fact that... So he was in lane three and I pulled out behind him, did the like gradually caught him up flashed him to let him know I was there and I was going faster than he was and like you know there's nothing next to you move over and he didn't so I pulled back into lane two and just kept at the same speed and then as soon as he got next to me he was like swearing and everything and I was like I don't know what's going on here and he put his foot down and dived in front of me again I was like oh brilliant so I just moved all the way to lane one and then he moved all the way to lane one I was like well, I've somehow unintentionally bullied you into using the road correctly. I'm not really sure what we're supposed to do now. <laughs> but it was just yeah. this weird, like, aggressive manoeuvre to not let me pass. Which, you, yeah, and it, then because he'd sped up, he was there way ahead of me either way. I was like, well, this is fine. We'll just carry on doing this. Why don't you just do this all the time? We'll be fine. <laughs> it's weird. That, that I think it's weird how the psychology of, uh, of driving changes us. Uh, uh, when all of us are in a car, we, we think we're kind of in, I don't know, in machine mode in a way. Yeah. And we don't think in a, in a human level. Because we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't behave like this walking down the street. Not to that extent, no. But, yeah. but it, it still baffles me how some people think that um, they uh, are just how they're how they're driving just so randomly and that might be sometimes they're distracted you know talking yeah. to someone um but um yeah it uh, i've seen it all i think the worst one sorry this part of the uh, talk is turning into let's moan and about bitch car. about other bad drivers <laughs> we'll cut the, off at an hour and yeah the, the most bizarre bit, one the most bizarre one i was coming onto the m40 here and um, and ahead of me, I was up, getting up to speed. Ahead of me, there was a big motorhome and a lorry, or vice versa. There was a car in lane two, 
or a couple of cars lane two and a car doing its normal overtake in lane three and then suddenly these two big SUVs big KN and Land Rover Sport yeah quickly I realised that they had some beef with one another <laughs> so <laughs> the um, so the KN which was in front had nowhere to go in lane three because this car was doing its normal thing they, they might have been going ah oh, hundred 1900. Wow, really cool. And then had to stop. Yeah. But anyway, the guy in the KN obviously had beef with the Range Rover guy. He braked to such an extent where they were going backwards because I was just <laughs> carrying on my normal <laughs> yeah, speed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. So um, I think, and then suddenly, I think my maybe the KM was just in front of me still, but you know I was catching them. And I was thinking oh, I'm in lane one here, and I'm going to be over undertaking you now because yeah. you, you've you're fighting testing in the this guy. Lane, yeah. The Land Rover Sport guy got so incensed that he then went into the middle lane, right in front of me, cut in front of me, went onto the hard shoulder, Jeez. kicked up all all manner of crap, overtook. The lorry the talk, yeah. and the motorhome on the hard shoulder and then pulled across the fast lane. And I'm thinking, what the fuck God. just happened? Uh, because like there's no way he could have known that there was no parked car yeah, yeah. in the hard shoulder. And, and it was just like, and that's where... Ah, uh, red mist. It's weird how yeah, red yeah. mist gets that rage to, just overtakes. You know, it? all of it at some stage in life. But to do that, and it's like, what? Have a word with yourself. Yeah, I imagine his wife was sat in the passenger seat, going, "What are we doing?" And he's like, "I've got to prove it to this guy in his own head." Like he's just mm, quite possibly. There was a uh, there was a thing. It made the national news kind of a few years ago, ten years ago maybe, where it was these two family cars had some beef with one another road rage and they uh, and they were but they had their families in the back or at least one of them did and they were kind of like uh, and it's just like what are you doing yeah <laughs> it's just it loses all rationality and it just goes straight out yeah and that as you said that red mist just takes over and any sense of who you are as a person or how you hold yourself and stuff like that yeah. just, it just disappears and it, it's the same if you've ever been in a situation where there's a confrontation or a fight or something that's escalated to that manner whoever that person is normally just disappears for that moment and you kind of get a real sense as to what someone's like when de-restricted because it's like oh okay you were given this opportunity to let loose and that's how you responded rather than trying to you know de-escalate or stop or something like that and i'm not coming from a position of high ground i will get stuck into a scrap as much as the next guy but there is a certain amount of reading a room or reading a situation before wandering towards that decision rather than oh you've said one thing now i'm ready to fight it's like mm, calm down a minute first <laughs> yeah you can get a, it's a weird position to be around people in and having worked where i have you see it a lot and you're kind of like this is it's completely irrational all like this is to your own detriment right now but your ego and that adrenaline and testosterone just takes over that whole process Mm. and that's what you see in in a lot of road rage is just every sense of rationality is gone i have a dent on my front wing from a lady doing a two-lane dive and clipping my car 
no. just to get in front of me. No. Yeah. On the outside lane of the motorway. That's incredible. And it, it's... She was sat in lane four, and I caught her up, and she didn't want to pull in. So I, I gave her the cursory, like, I'm catching you up, please move out the way. And she didn't want to, so I pulled into lane three just to continue my speed and then into lane two where she should have been and then we caught up some cars but because I'd continued doing 70 I kind of just cruised past and then we caught up some cars so I pulled all the way out and then she took offence to that and dived into lane two after the first car that we'd passed did a real tight like there wasn't really a gap but she made a gap thought she was further ahead than she was did a two lane dive and I had to slam on the brakes and she just kissed the wing I'd slammed on and pulled as close to the concrete barrier as I could without hitting it she just kissed it and I had tyre scrub on my indicator that's like that's how close it came to her just punting me into a wall seriously and it was I was like shaking with rage and then my first thought was I'm going to follow her home I'm going to really bring this reality to her and then I was like she couldn't we're on the M1 I was like she could be going all the way to London and I've got places to be I can't be honest with this but that was my first instinct was I'm going to follow her home and really make her feel like the reality of who you can encounter in the real world and then I remember the time where I had a road rage incident of a guy in an average 50 zone you know when you're in an average 50 zone and you're just gradually passing someone and then there's someone that doesn't care that it's an average 50 zone and they're doing 60 came flying up behind me right up to my back bumper and I was like but it's an average 50 zone I'm not going to speed up for you we're just going to have to sit this out when I finally overtake this I'll pull in it'll be fine calm down (laughs) pulled up alongside me got a knife out started waving that around yeah I was like I I, I was just passing someone in the way you're supposed to I'm not sure what I'm doing (laughs) and I called the police and they said oh sorry you were in that county now you're in this county we need to hand you over to another I was like there's a man with a knife here's his registration number here's what he looks like can you help I'm really sorry no brilliant this guy's going to run me off the road and then murder me it's insane but people just get so caught up in it well maybe he had places to be he clearly had somewhere to to murder who knows yeah it was was wild just genuinely just wild because I'm not an angel so when he got right up my back bumper I was like right I'm just going to match this speed for a minute just to kind of encourage him to you know realise that you, you can't just bully people out of the way and that didn't happen so I was like okay then I'm going to get past this car and then as soon as he pulled up alongside I was like what and then he pulled a knife out I was like never mind I'm just going to leave this alone now <laughs> and pulled all yeah. the way out of the way as quickly as I could oh, yeah it's a nightmare because the the van is the daily essentially yeah. and quite often it's loaded with um, gear from a show or big lumpy bits of wood um, you know it's heavy anyway and um, so you know when, when I am overtaking something and a bit like that but not kind of thing and then you suddenly realise that somebody is really steaming up in the outside lane yeah. and you're kind of thinking oh, right, it's, I'm not sure I'm going to pass by in front before of this guy this. before <laughs> and it's just like well you know I can't I can't just disappear but uh, yeah a lot of but it I, I'm amazed, way more than you think doesn't it yeah I'm amazed how many people managed to get away with doing like silly speeds yeah um, but then then now and again there is some nice karma out there so again another tail of the m40 
Um, the M40 but is M40, nice bit of traffic jam. Well, not nice bit of traffic jam, but um, traffic jam. And there's a cop car ahead holding everyone back. They were just doing a, yeah. you know, a rolling roadblock. And um, I was in the lane one, big uh, Luton van. I could see a wide way back in the hard shoulder. Obviously, he didn't realise that there was a cop car yeah, holding yeah. the traffic back. So he came came past me. I was about second row. So I, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be really interesting, this is. <laughs> so he comes up on the hard shoulder, passing all this traffic, thinking, yeah, suckers. And then he sees the cop car, slams on his brakes. <laughs> Cop car goes over to the hard shoulder towards him and doesn't stop him because he's obviously doing his roadblock. But uh, it was quite clearly it was like we've got your details, pull over at the next uh, service and we'll have you there. Thank you very much. And it was like yeah, karma. Finally, some nice karma. Perfect. When uh, when we set off before we went to Le Mans, the wheel bearing went. The driver's side wheel bearing went on the 86 and um, took it down to Luke, Luden Classics Luke, because mm-hmm. their family have a D&G recovery. So they've got a whole workshop recovery company, etc., etc. And they, we couldn't get a wheel bearing the same day. So Luke's dad went, well, jump in one of our cars, take that home, we'll get the wheel bearing sent here, we'll sort it for you. So it's like the day before we went to Le Mans and we were going from there. So he's like, you can just take our car and then bring it back and you're at the start point but the car that they have is a or one of their like recovery cars is a was it a Discovery you know the first one that had that notch in the back window I remember you telling me this tale. it's fantastic yeah, yeah. it's a Discovery it's <laughs> got the blue and yellow high-vis stickers on not too dissimilar to a police car yeah and it says incident response down the side and it's got a big orange light box on the roof, but it's clear unless you turn the LEDs on, so the, the bulbs right. themselves are orange. So you can't tell what colour lights are going to come out of it. It's got some in the grill, it's got a light <laughs> bar on the front. It looks like it could be a police car, which is intentional that it, it looks like something that you need to get out of the way of because they are responding to incidents yeah. and crashes and things like that. It's the best way to travel on the motorway because <laughs> nobody bothers you. <laughs> Everybody's like doing 70, everyone passes you nice and slowly, nobody catches yeah. up to you on the on the back. It's a very relaxing way to drive because you look almost like a police car. Nobody wants to take the chance just in case you are. Even though it's a 2006 Land Rover or whatever, it's one of those where it's like, probably not going to risk this. So you just have a really relaxing drive where you've always got space and everyone's doing the speed limit and nobody's getting up your backside. It's the best way to travel. If everyone did it, then it would ruin it because everyone would look like a police car. Um, but we get similar in our little Skoda. We've got a grey Skoda Rapid. And a lot of Northamptonshire's police cars are grey Skodas. Oh, really? So people, you get a second thought before anyone, like, speeds past you or anything. So you can kind of get a bit of space and travel a little bit more relaxed because people give you a, a wide berth. Yeah. And a friend of mine's got a new Octavia VRS in Nardo Grey, which is the police spec, and he's put a fake second aerial on the roof. 
just because then it looks a bit more police car-y. And because they've got the the LED lights, if you flash quickly, it really it's really fast. So if you're approaching someone doing 40 and a 60, say, on like yeah. a dual carriageway, if you flash, it looks like you're a police car approaching at speed and they just get out of the way. <laughs> it's brilliant. The little tricks. Um, but we've been nattering on for nearly two hours. Have we? Oh, yeah. my God. Um, if you're still with us, guys, I hope you had a break. I hope you had an, an interlude. I need to get to the hour mark. Right, cup of tea break, anyway, <laughs> and then carry on afterwards. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure chatting, and I think it's probably Likewise. a good thing to remind people of what's happening. Oh, um, it, it's been recorded. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, I've said so many lies. <laughs> i told so many secrets away. Um, but, yeah, if we remind people what's happening for those that are still listening <laughs> right okay yes um what is happening it's much sooner now funnily enough it's two hours sooner um uh, yes so um there is a lovely um art exhibition called exhibition of speed featuring 13 um uh, artists at Chelsea Walsh Classic Nostalgia and I think it's probably fair I should actually read out the names of the, those artists yeah, have you got as well them? so people know who is coming up so we have well there's a um, what's uh, really great is that there's a mixture of painting, sculpture but also photography, graphics uh, mosaics and um, an illustration. So we've got on the photography side Indira Flack with her GBRD photo. So great British racing drivers. Um, she's got an exhibition at uh, Goodwood the week before and she's launching a, her new book. So that will be there as well, um, part of her show. Um, we've got David O'Brien who does the uh, fantastic... 3D and wall mosaics of, say, helmets and um, racing liveries um, emblems. We've got um, uh, an old friend, colleague of mine, really, um, Martin Tomlinson, who does uh, more traditional painting, racing scenes. Um, and actually, we raced together way back in carts, <laughs> randomly. Yeah. I know this is... I just padding out time even more but um when we when i first started uh, doing motor racing art and exhibiting he was one of the um established names then then about six years later i started doing national endurance karting and he and his son had another team and we're doing it it's like martin and then we started racing together the fun uh, next oh, season anyway i digress um we've got aj wellburn who um, creates fantastic portraiture of F1 drivers, but in a poster kind of style, um, classic film poster kind of style. We've got Abby Powell, who is um, illustrator and uh, painter um, using paints and paints of cars. Um, also, we have uh, John Hamilton, who creates um, digital... Um, drawings and paintings of uh, cars but it kind of almost like a cartoon style not a cartoon cartoon style but in a very nice graphic kind yeah. of 
uh, impression of that. Um, we've got Jeff Bolam as well, who creates uh, paintings onto metal. Nice. Um, so he uses some of the bare metal and aluminium as elements to come through and, and reflect out within the pit, uh, images. Um, sculpture, we've got uh, Gary Smith, who uh, creates fantastic uh, bronze sculptures. Um, then we've got Jake Yorth, who we talked about earlier, with his uh, fantastic um, um, uh, graphic illustration, and he creates a lot of the posters and artworks for um, the. Um, I forget the series now. The um, like the National GT. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Press GT he also Championship. did one of the murals on the side of CNM for me. Yeah, yeah, uh, amazing graphic artist, um, and. Um, We've got Charles Goddard, who um, create, creates uh, work digitally, but of old, old pre-war cars um, in a fantastic style. And who am I forgetting? Um, we've got... Um, and then... Sean Wales, who does portraiture as well, driver portraits. And then Jessica Gray is another graphic artist who, uh, who also shows her work at... CNM, as you just mentioned. Um, so we've got a real good mix of um, new artworks, new styles, something fresh. So it's fresh for something or everyone to see. Sounds great. And that is happening on July 22nd, 23rd. And Perfect. tickets are available. So we're in the central barn, old barn inside Chelsea Walsh, and next to the paddock. Um, and tickets for the overall events are on sale via Chelsea Walsh's website. Perfect. Well, wow. For those that don't know, where can they find you? Um, website is johnnyambrose.com. Instagram is johnnyambrose.autoart. And that's it, essentially. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for sitting and chatting. We're pretty much on the two-hour mark on the dot. <laughs> so we've uh, we've got a, a big portion of now. moaning. So we'll stop now. And uh, thank you have you to so do much. this in part one and two. <laughs> anyway, no, it's fine. Brilliant. Thank Jim you very much. Three hours, one long <laughs> continuous. You could pause a podcast. Just do that. It'd be exactly, fine. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. Yeah. Thank you.